Welcome to Are We There Yet? Transport into the Future. This is a series of programs that look at current issues and developments and what they mean for the transport we need, we want and what we can supply in the future. These programs are written and presented by David Brown. We have spoken to Rachel Cohen, who is a transport engineer and planner. Now, she did recently, just before the lockdown, go to a transport conference in New Zealand, the Transport Group. It's a fascinating experience and an evolving experience, both for her, but also for the profession, in what they're looking at and how we are addressing and even defining the problem. Rachel joins us from her home office on the line now. G'day, Rachel. Good to talk to you again. Hi, David. Thank you for having me here. What was the conference in New Zealand? So it was the Transportation Group annual conference. So this year it was held in Christchurch and it had over 200 people from across New Zealand and some kings from around the world talk about all things transport. And this year's theme was equity and transportation. Equity. It's a word that might not have appeared in transport conferences in years past. There was a keynote speaker. Did she embrace that theme? The keynote speaker I think you're talking about was the Associate Minister for Transport, the Honourable Julie Ann Genta. She had a great keynote speech. She compared the term equality and equity and she gave an example. Um, You might have seen the image before, three people looking over a fence. One's a, a person in a wheelchair, one's a person who's a bit shorter and someone who is tall and can easily see over the fence. And the image shows if you give each of them the same tool to see over the fence, it doesn't provide them with the same experience and opportunity. Whereas if you give them the appropriate tool, then it is providing them with equity as they're able to access the same or experience the same thing. She gave a great talk. Some of my key takeaways were thinking about how we design our transport systems not just for the long commuter single trips but for the multi-purpose trips that happen throughout the day because generally they're done by different demographics and different types of people so if we're designing for both designing for a more equitable transport system. I think she talked about the idea of building infrastructure or creating a transport system to enable people to thrive, not just to build big projects. That notion of diversity is inherent in the the concept of equality. Is that part of she was trying to bring out? Yes, that's right. So not just building infrastructure for the sake of it, big shiny project at, at election time, but actually building infrastructure that supports everyone to be able to access a great city equally and give everyone the opportunity to move about. So not necessarily needing a driver's licence to travel um, and supporting a local trip to the shops is as important as supporting a, a longer journey from A to B. Well, you're part of that generation who are not rushing to get their driver's licences quickly as my generation, your colleagues, your peer group, have a broader concept of transport rather than what might have been mine hooning around in a car. Do you sense that? Yes. Many of my friends don't have their licences. I I do have a licence. I grew up in uh, Western Australia, 
travelling down the coast a lot. So we did have a car. We did trips growing up, and so when I could drive, I, I wanted to. But now I live in the city, and I, I barely drive. I hire a car when I need one. But yeah, it's I'm happy to use public transport. It, it's accessible for me. I definitely when someone says transport, I don't just think of the car. I think of the whole picture. You don't have an aspiration to buy a car. I do have a car now, but I I was hiring a car previously, and I did decide to get a car because because I do like to surf. So carrying um, my my surfboard on the bus was becoming quite a task. <laughs> One of the speakers was David Sim. He was from Girl Architects, I believe. What did he talk about in terms of human behaviour? Yeah, so David Sim, he's part of Girl Architects. He he had a very charismatic presentation, had great images from all these beautiful European cities that he's worked in. And he was really interested in bringing across the message of people respond to the environment that they're in. If there's cafes and places for people to sit and relax by the water or by gardens and people will and then people will sit there and then it will attract more people to come and socialize so he was trying to describe that if we want people to interact well then we've got to design places where people can interact um, and he he showed a lot of different small interventions that completely changed the the feel of the, the urban environment so things such as pavement types, uh, raised platforms for pedestrians to cross, separated cycle lanes. And yeah, it was a great uh, example of some good case studies around the world. One of my things that really stood out with his talk, he said, you always remember the exact time that you can sleep in to sleep in till so you can get to work on time, but you never remember the the journey time that it takes to get home because on the way home you you pop by the shops you go grab a, a drink with a friend or you go out for dinner and then slowly make your way home but in the morning you sleep in or you do you leave the house at exactly the last minute before you can get to work so you're not late do you think he was describing you <laughs> maybe I like your comment. It doesn't have to be big, does it? We tend to think of it only in terms of major reconstructions, yet the little subtle things can be important as well. Do you think that was a message that came over strongly? Indeed. Even small things like changing the priority at an intersection for, so it's automatically on pedestrian crossing in, a, in an area where there's lots of pedestrians crossing and moving about instead of waiting even if there's no cars like small things like that change the environment they were great great tools for us to go away with we did a news story the other day on tactical urbanism now i believe it came up there can you define what that is so tactical urbanism is when low-cost temporary changes are made to the built environment to improve the safety and the amenity of the environment and space so they're usually quick to install at very low cost that can have significant changes to the space. It sounds a bit heavy to me. It sounds a little bit like radical change in a sort of terrorist way and as an expression, yet as a concept, I think it's lovely. You have some pictures from the conference there. One in particular was just looks like a road through a uh, commercial area that isn't very wide, but it had a huge, great width approaching it. So they created a bubble of space with just some planter boxes around it. And it changes the notion of 
zooming up to that location rather than being channeled into a careful location from the very beginning. Yet it does look a little bit temporary. Do you think that might lead into a more general acceptance and long-term acceptance? Yes, so the point of tactical urbanism is to trial a new design um, without investing too much cost into it. For example, I didn't work on any of the projects, as a disclaimer, but the intent, I think, of Sale Street where they extended the curbs was to slow down cars turning into the street and to give to shorten the distance for pedestrians to cross and make it safer. So improving the sight lines for crossing. Like I said, these are low cost installed and they are monitored. So data is collected on safety and speeds and to see if these treatments do work. And if they are successful and it's it gets support from the community, then I think they look to Um, making it more of a permanent installation, so improving the design. Part of the conference went for a walk around the streets. I think it's a great idea. The AITPM some years ago had some engineers ride push bikes to Williamtown. Well, not over the major roads, but around Williamtown. Was walking the streets with your colleagues a very effective part of the conference? Indeed, because um, many of the speakers are from the local city, it's good to to actually see the projects that they're talking about and get get a better understanding of the context. And in particular, I enjoyed the walking tour because we were guided by uh, Ryan Reynolds from Gatfiller. Um, he works for a social enterprise, uh, was the uh, 2011 earthquake as an enterprise that would work with the community and developers and the public sector to create projects and different initiatives that will bring people back to the city centre. I didn't know this before I went there, but the city centre was actually closed for about four years. So that meant a lot of people moved to the fringes of the city and weren't coming into the city. So it was very quiet and and all the demolished buildings were starting to get vandalised. So to bring more people back into the city, they started these different initiatives and he showed us examples of this bus uh, for commuters so they could go on. It was a slight detour from the straight bike path, um, but it had a different terrain and um, it was meant to be seen as more enjoyable and something different for your commute. There was a community tool shed, so if you didn't want to buy the big expensive tools that you only use once in a chair, you could come and use this community tool shed. And there were different youth activities like bouldering, um, a space they could rent, a basketball court. There's lots of graffiti, famous graffiti artists that are coming out of Christchurch. So there were spray can walls that people who wanted to learn how to spray can could practice on, which I thought was great. It's not just time, distance and cost that you can add a little bit of extra length, even if it's a bikeway, for safety and other things, perhaps not adding infinite length, as it were, but certainly understanding that the behaviour that we exhibit is is not just to do with time, distance and cost, which has often been at the modelling of most of our vehicle analysis, computer modelling as well. Yeah. Another highlight, you went to a recent cycleway infrastructure across Christchurch. Emily Cambridge, I think, was part of that, and it referred to a cafe learning session. What on earth is that? <laughs> yes, so um, Emily was 
part of the conference, she did a presentation about uh, Cycling Haven in Christchurch and I was really interested and she she took me on a bike through some of the, the, re- the recent cycling infrastructure projects that have been done. So that was great. And then the Learning Cafe session was a really great part of the conference. So it was a different format to your traditional one person speaks at the front to the whole group. They had a room set up with it was about 10 tables and at each table you could fit about six people and there was one person presenting their idea or topic or their research for about five minutes and then you had five minutes to discuss that with them and ask questions. So it was a lot more conversational and relaxed and it was a good way to interact with the person presenting the data and all the theory. It's great. Rachel, it's lovely to talk to you. I really appreciate it. I have great enjoyment out of people that are significantly younger than I am. I thought for a while there that there might have been just adapting what was prominent in my early area of trains are good, cars are bad. It's more than that. It's understanding diversity. It's understanding behaviour. It's understanding multiple purpose of trips. And I think you've enunciated that and learnt from that New Zealand experience greatly. It's great to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, David. And that was Rachel Cohen, who works for Arab and went to New Zealand for a major conference and obviously came back enthused but informed and passionate about what she's doing as a transport engineer and planner. Are we there yet? Transport into the Future is produced by Driven Media. Driven Media specialise in communicating technical and scientific information to professionals and the public and also facilitates planning and behaviour change in groups and organisations. You can send comments or suggestions to feedback at drivenmedia.com.au. All the participants have agreed to the recording and distributing of their comments.